Hello from the newsroom of the Financial Times in London. I'm Naomi Rovnik and this is News in Focus, where we offer our insights into the global news stories that matter. European voters go to the polls over the next three days to select members of the European Parliament in Strasbourg. Members of our Brussels Bureau discuss why these elections matter and how they are likely to affect the upcoming appointment of senior EU officials. It's Thursday, which means that the first voters in the Netherlands and the UK are heading off to the ballot boxes. And we're going to be having votes across the 28 member states for the next three days. And on Sunday, we get the results. Alex, Jim, what are we expecting to happen on Sunday? How is this all going to work, this vast Eurovision-type exercise of democracy? It is vast. It's across so many countries, so many political cultures, that it will take quite a long time actually for the results to shake out. Even after the results come in, a lot of these political alliances that we have in Europe, the centre-right, the centre-left, the Liberals, the Greens, the Conservatives to the right of that, the far-left, are projects in motion. So they'll keep on trying to build alliances, steal parties in the weeks after the election too. So We won't necessarily get a clear snapshot, but you'll have an idea on the night of, A, what's happened to the mainstream of pro-European politics. Since direct elections started in 1979, there's roughly been a majority for the centre-right and centre-left combined. Pro-EU parties used to make up roughly 75% of the parliament this time, at least. Is that going to shrink to a degree that makes it much more difficult for the centre to operate in Brussels, is the first question. Secondly, is that going to be because populist anti-EU parties have done a lot better? Could we end up in a situation where France, Italy, Poland, the UK have the top parties as either very Eurosceptic or hostile to the entire project and how does the EU deal with that those are the two main things and it feeds into this massive haggle we're going to start in the immediate aftermath to fill all the top EU jobs that are becoming vacant this year Jim we have had weeks and weeks of projections and forecasts from national countries about polling do we already have a sense of who the big winners will be on the night regardless of some of the nuances or the margins. We can tell the people who are going to be celebrating on Sunday night already. As Alex said, one of the things that's fascinating and unique about the European elections is that we can see straight away how individual parties have done on the night, but then these individual parties have to find a way to fit into political groups, political families within the parliament itself. And that's going to be a kind of moving exercise where there'll be some haggling going on. But we will clearly have some national winners and losers, and that's going to include some of Europe's most prominent politicians. One of the things we'll discover on Sunday is whether La République en Marche, the political party of President Emmanuel Macron, has finished in first place, or whether it's the far-right Rassemblement National of Marine Le Pen that's finished in first place. That's an issue which has ramifications for the formation of the European Parliament and for what happens in the coming years of EU policymaking, but it also has really big domestic ramifications for Macron in France. I mean, generally, just from what we've seen in the polling so far, 
we know we're going to have a situation where we're going to have a more fragmented parliament and where both the main centre-left group, the Socialists and Democrats, and the main centre-right group, the European People's Party, are going to be in a weakened position compared to now. The question is how weakened and who is really going to be the one who reaps the benefits. Sure. We can maybe go into the UK. It seems like Farage is probably going to emerge victorious, whatever happens, given the sort of barnstorming lead he has. But there could be some smaller winners, like the Lib Dems, who sort of come out of nowhere and an added element. And I guess in terms of the Parliament, they will help out people like Emmanuel Macron, because they'll sit in his group, despite the French president's sort of reluctance to keeping the Brits in. So there's elements of surprises here. What other sort of black swan Mm. events could we foresee? Well, I mean, if you look at the polling at the moment, it's been reasonably steady because it's a massive aggregate of lots of political battles going on. The EPP are ahead. This is the centre-right group, but not by much. The Social Democrat group, which is centre-left, has benefited from the UK still taking part. They get a lot of Labour MPs. They're making ground in countries like Spain. They're coming closer to the EPP. It's within something like 20 seats And if they can do a little bit better, they could come close to knocking the EPP off their top spot, which they've held since 99. The Liberals are expanding. Emmanuel Macron, the French president, is planning to make some kind of alliance with them, to maybe change the name, change the look of the party. But they're up at like 100-odd seats. And then you have a lot of smaller groups in the mid-tier, the Polish-led group of Conservatives, the Greens the far left in the 40 to 60 range and then you've got two more far right groups which are maybe in the 50 range or plus now if you look at all past european elections and what happens between the polling and the result what tends to happen is government parties do worse than expected than in the polls smaller parties do better than expected the center left do worse than expected and the populists do better. The anti-EU parties do better. So feed that in, mm. and actually I think you see a kind of bunching of all the groups with probably the EPP still there or thereabouts as the top party, mm. which is the first takeaway from this as they move into this kind of discussion about what happens with the jobs. Yeah. Why does the constellation of the parliament matter for the jobs? For somebody on the outside, how does this all get divvied up? And the first one, and the, probably the one we're all looking at, is the European Commission president job. Is that person going to emerge from some of the four or five Spitzing candidates we've seen already? Well, I mean, we have a situation where, among the different political groups in the parliament, there's not actually any agreement on what process should be used to appoint the president of the European Commission. We have a situation where the centre-right, the European People's Party, has thrown its weight behind this system called the lead candidate or Spitzenkandidat system, where basically that group has a champion candidate. In this case, in this election, it's Germany's Manfred Weber, and they are the prospective new commission president. The Socialists and Democrats, they've also bought into that system. Their lead candidate is Franz Timmermans. But other political groups in the parliament are much less keen and national leaders in the European Union, who are the ones who constitutionally should go and find a candidate to be commission president, they're also opposed to this. And so that will all need to be reviewed in the light of the results. And that will happen already on Monday when political group leaders in the parliament meet and pour over this. And basically, in a way, you know, Manfred Weber and Franz Timmermans' fate will be decided at the ballot box, but also at that meeting on Monday. So on Tuesday, we have a day where the Parliament will meet in the morning and the European Council will meet in the evening. 
is that the day when we actually will get some clarity or is this actually going to drag on for a long while yet? Maybe we'll get a stalemate. I don't know if you can define that as clarity. But you could have a situation where enough of the political parties stand up and say, look, we're not voting for anyone but a Spitzen candidate. So maybe you could have the centre-right, the centre-left, the Greens. And that's enough of a block to make sure that you couldn't nominate someone else who didn't run as a lead candidate in this election because they wouldn't be able to get a majority in the parliament. It's a kind of blocking minority. Similarly, on the European Council side, you could have 8, 10, 12 leaders who say, enough of this, we don't buy into the Spitzen yeah. candidate idea, we don't like Manfred Weber or Franz Timmermans or whoever emerges in that top spot, and we're unwilling to do that. So you could have a situation where the two institutions that have kind of equal say to some degree in who eventually emerges, the leaders are supposed to nominate someone and the parliament approve, but they could be in a situation that both say, look, we're stuck with a blocking minority that we can't yeah. bring together. And that could mean we're in for a much longer process than people think, that the hopes of getting the whole package together in June might be a little bit too optimistic. Or you could be in a situation where they look and think, well, we've got a blocking minority in the parliament, but they can't get a majority for this Spitzen candidate, and the Spitzen candidate can't get a majority in the council. So maybe we need to move on. And that's the real test of those couple of days, I think. Yeah, I mean, a lot depends on how those two main parties perform, those two main political families perform in the election, right? I mean, that's in a way the simplicity of the system is really if the EPP don't perform particularly well, even if they finish as the largest group, that does automatically hurt Manfred Weber's legitimacy. It makes it harder for the EPP as a political alliance to assert that he should be commissioned president. And ditto for the socialists, really. It's um, that actually, so, I mean, as should be the case in a democratic exercise, what the voters do on Sunday really does matter. OK, I'm going to put you both on the spot. Jim, who's your candidate? Who's your name for the European Commission president? What's your hunch? Christine Lagarde. Alex? I think Mark Rutte might make it. OK, so two candidates, none Mark of Rutte, whom... Mark Rutte, the Dutch Prime Minister. Dutch Prime Minister, two candidates, none of whom are running formally or informally for this job, have been called by the FT. In all honesty, the truth is that We've Not never be- had a woman and we've barely ever had a Dutchman, had so a we've, Dutchman. we've gone for some outside. We've, 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 gone, we've gone for some rogue names, but the truth probably is that most people around this town are asking the same question and coming up with five or six different answers. We don't really know yet, but if you do want to know, stay tuned to ft.com and keep up to date with coverage from the Brussels Bureau for all the latest this week and for the weeks to come. Thanks, guys. That was Maureen Khan talking to Alex Barker and Jim Brunston in Brussels. Thanks for listening. Don't forget, if you missed our recent episodes on how oil companies are responding to investor pressure to reduce carbon emissions, the US's hammer blow to Huawei, the political cost of Pakistan's IMF loan, you can find them all on the usual podcast platforms. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources, uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellingcat.com.